Dr. Michelotti of Helena Orthopedic Clinic grew up in Butte. My next door neighbor in Butte was the trainer for Butte High School. And so pretty much from third grade on, I was in the Butte High training room and that had a lot of influence on me. We get to care for people with everything from ankle fractures to hip fractures in older folks, elbow fractures or injuries in little kids. Most people come to you with a problem that most of the time we can fix. Hopefully we've made their lives a little bit better. Helena Orthopedic Clinic, now taking appointments at their new location in Butte. Hi, I'm Mark Barbanen. On February 8, 2008, I accepted Mariah's Challenge. And here's what Mariah's Challenge means to me. It means not just saying no to drinking and driving, but for me personally, it meant saying no to alcohol altogether. I wanted to set a better example for my kids and my grandkids to show them that adults could have fun too without alcohol being involved. But it also means having the courage to look myself in the mirror and make a change. It means being the best person I can possibly be for myself and my family. It means growing old and helping others do the same. I'm Mark Parvinen, and I accept Mariah's challenge. I hope you can join me and show that you, too, are Butte Tough. Thank you. Today's podcast is presented by Thriftway Superstops. Stop by your neighborhood Thriftway today and find a clean, friendly, professional, and safe environment. You will never find a casino at Thriftway. Thriftway's fountain drinks also taste just like they are supposed to. That is a big deal for me, and I definitely cannot say that about other convenience stores. Download the TLC app, and every sixth fountain drink is free. You can also take advantage of big discounts on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, and fresh brewed coffee. TLC members also receive five cents off every gallon of top-tier fuel each and every day. Stop by your neighborhood Thriftway today because everybody deserves some TLC. Thriftway Superstops is a proud sponsor of the ButteCast. Now... Let's get the show started. Welcome to the Butte Cast with Bill Foley. It's a podcast about the greatest city in the world, Butte, America. Amen. Let's meet the people and characters who make Butte the richest hill on earth. Now, here's my dad. No matter what Cassie Wick is doing, it seems like her intentions are always to better the community. She does that as a business owner. Her and her husband John own 5518 Designs and Dig City Supply in Uptown Butte. They are almost always the first business owners to step up when there is a community need. She does that as a citizen, and she does that at her job. For the past 14 years, Cassie has worked as an independent living specialist at Ability Montana. At Ability Montana, which recently moved into a renovated building at 820 West Platinum Street in Butte, Cassie works to advocate and assist individuals with disabilities living in southwest Montana. She works to make sure people with disabilities can continue to live in the community as they choose. Of course, that is just one facet of what she does. She is currently working to try to change building codes in Butte Silver Bow so that businesses can more easily make their buildings accessible. You name it, and Cassie pretty much does it. She also taught English for a year in South Korea, and no, she does not speak Korean. Yesterday I met with Cassie at her office for a great conversation. Listen in to hear how she is working to make Butte more accessible. 
listening to hear some of the barriers facing our neighbors with disabilities that you probably never knew even existed. Also, listening to hear about her year in South Korea and how little game her husband John had when the couple first met at Georgetown Lake. Listening to hear that Cassie was a pretty good basketball and volleyball player while growing up in Whitehall. Thank you for all the suggestions for guests on the podcast. If you are enjoying these conversations, make sure to thank our sponsors when you see them. Tell them you heard them on the Buttecast. We will be back next week with some more fun conversations, including one with M&M owner Selena Pankovich. I am really looking forward to that one. First, though, let's get to know a Butte woman who works hard every day to make the mining city a better place. Cassie Wick. All right, Cassie, i just going to start off by saying I really admire you and your husband both, but because uh, everything you do is based on community. I mean, even though you have a business and, you know, you're you, obviously when you're an entrepreneur, you want to make money and stuff, but it seems like so many things that you guys do is about other people. Like, of course, you started the M&M, when that, uh, long live the M&M shirts right after the fire. And uh, and then now you, you're... You taught English in Korea. Yeah. And, you know, and you're just not one of those people that it seems like, you know, it seems like you're talented enough, smart enough that you could be living on that huge house on the East Ridge with your skills. But you, you put it to good use. And I just, I really admire that. Thank you. I mean, I think that's how we're very lucky that we're aligned in that. Yeah. And that, you know, seeing the value in community means so much to us that we can work toward that together yeah. and through our different platforms. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, is that he told me when John, when he was on our, the podcast a few months ago that he met you at what, Georgetown Lake. Yeah. And he didn't even get your phone number. No. So he, he does he, did he have zero game at all? Yeah, or what? absolutely not. <laughs> but then he did follow up. So there is that. He did follow up. And you know, we're lucky we've been together for 17 years and I think we're a really good team. Yeah. And so um, always learning, always growing, always, you know, figuring it out together. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like you were like almost a perfect couple. I mean, like perfect fit, you know, from yeah. the outside looking in. I don't know. Yeah, we're a really good. It's not always feeling like that. Yeah, probably, no, but. totally. I mean, we're yeah. humans, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, it, it's nice to know that someone has your back. And I think yeah. through all the work that I've done personally, that's what I find is the most important is you can do anything if someone has your back. Yeah. And that's for me what community is. It's yeah. just about knowing that we have each other's backs because life is hard and stuff happens unexpectedly and it really shifts the lens by which you see the world through. Yeah. Which is what you're kind of all about here is at Ability Montana is yeah. having the backs of the community. Yeah. I feel extremely fortunate to work at an organization like Ability Montana that aligns with the values that I have. I mean, yeah. I, I go to work every day and my job is to the best of my ability to make the lives of people with disabilities in our community, in our state better. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything better than just like looking at our fellow neighbors and going, how can we make this better for you? Cause if yeah. it's better for you, then it's better for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, strong communities. It's good for the individuals. Yeah, <laughs> it's and it and it is I mean, community. If you know, we had the shirt at the shop that said "community means everyone," yeah. and when we have folks that are left out from that, um, that's not community. That's not yeah. everyone. Yeah, 
So you you're from Whitehall. Yep. And what is it? Waitman is that? Yeah. The, 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 your, how you yeah. Say my Latin? parents grew up in Butte. My mom was a Casa Grande, so oh, okay. my cousins own Casa Grandes, and so uh-huh. um, one of my sponsors. Yeah. Yeah, and so I. Um, I have a lot of family in Butte. And so I grew up in Whitehall because my grandmother owned Borden's hotel and cafe. Um, and she was said to my dad, she's like, it's a gold mine. You have to move to Whitehall. (laughs) And it ended up being a lot of work. And so my dad ended up going to work at the actual gold mine (laughs) because that uh, he he needed money to raise us. So, um, growing up in Whitehall, um, you know, was a great experience. And it's so funny because when you grow up in a town near Butte or any big town, you're like, I'm never going to live there. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, after I moved back to Montana, I had done the AmeriCorps in Florida where I, um, which was just, I would encourage any young person to do that. It was a volunteer year and I got to go to Florida and it was part of a literacy program and it was just the best experience. I had mm-hmm. the best year of my life probably then. Yeah. And so I chose Florida cause it was so different than Montana. And I'll never forget as I came home, I was just so full from having, you know, really defining community on a larger level. Like yeah. what does community look like in other cities and other States? And so when you dedicate a whole year to helping people, like we went through a hurricane and it was like, you did hurricane relief. So you helped people get <laughs> okay. their medications and like all wow. these things. And it was just like, to be given an opportunity to help feels so full. It's just like, so I left that year and I drove back to Montana, not intending to stay. And I'll never forget. I drove around one of the passes and I like saw the mountains for the first time. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I grew up here. Like this is so beautiful. And so to this day, I still, every time I look at the highlands i'm just like wow are we the luckiest people that we get to like see this when we wake up every day and when the sun rises over them or the sun sets over the pentlers like we're just like what a gift yeah and so after that i um i met john right away i moved moved back i'm like i'm not gonna stay and then that weekend john and i met so (laughs) i stayed funny how it works like that isn't (laughs) I stayed. And so I um, got my first job as a developmental disability case manager. And so um, that was just my first like entrance into working in the disability yeah. field. And and so I did that. And I lived in Butte for the first time. And I was like, okay, you know, I can do this. <laughs> and then John was living in Phillipsburg and that was too far away. So we were like meeting yeah. in Anaconda every week to go to a movie because that was the Sounds only... like a horror movie. Yeah. It was just like every movie, no matter what, as we meet <laughs> in Anaconda. Shows. What a great theater. It's though. the best theater, you yeah. know? So we, that was a great time, but then we were like, we can't sustain this. So that's when we went to Korea wow. and, um, taught English there for a year, which was a, another example of what does yeah. community look like in another yeah. country? And like, what does it feel like to not speak the same language and to be not really understand what you're reading and you know, all the the things that make you uncomfortable, but also are the very thing that makes you grow and the thing that makes life, you know, what it is and like makes you feel truly alive. How do you speak, teach a language to somebody when you don't speak their language? I, I, I had a Spanish professor at UM who didn't speak a lick of English and we were supposed to learn Spanish from him. And it was frustrating for me but it was probably twice as frustrating for him. And I think it's I think it's the way they believe you'll learn better is when yeah, you're it, forced to. Yeah. Cuz mm-hmm. cuz then it's like 
you know, we were teaching and I hadn't been a teacher, but John was a teacher. So it was probably better for me because I went in with zero expectations of what it would be (laughs) like to try to teach somebody a language. And Korean is extremely difficult, especially when you hadn't heard it. Like I didn't even, we didn't ask anybody, how do you say hello or thank you before we got there? And I'll never forget. I, we, John kind of likens it to a drug deal. It's like we arrived in Korea, someone took us in their car, they brought us to our apartment and then we're like, they're like, pick you up in the morning. And I'm like, what? We don't even get like a day to adjust. They're like, nope. (laughs) So we went to our separate schools. And at that time, I mean, there were cell phones, but not not we, smartphones. Yeah, so it was and like, there's probably was no Rosetta Stone and all that. Oh stuff. Oh my god, there like, probably was, but like we we not just as like, easily. Yeah, as no, you had to like get a CD, I think, yeah. and do it. So we went to our separate schools and uh, we're emailing each other. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, I don't even. What are we doing? You know, it was just yeah. so like jarring, but like it, you just yeah. felt so alive. And so I asked the teacher. I was like, hey, how do you say hello? And she's like, Anyaseo. And I was like, hmm that's too long. Yeah. Can you write that down? Um, and then I'm like, okay, how do you say thank you? And she's like, comes on Nita. And I'm like, Mm-mm. this is going to be very challenging because wow. this is, these are just sounds I've never heard. And so obviously, um, we learned a lot through that year and we yeah. made some of our very best friends while we were there. And just what an incredible opportunity exists. And I think when I look at young people, I'm like, go do things <laughs> like go see the world. Like it, it gives you the vision that you need to be able to see your own community through a lens yeah. that's like of opportunity and like what can we do so that everyone's included so that it feels like like what the definition yeah. of community is. That that was so brave to drop everything and go to another country like that. I mean, just even if you're there just to visit or to live there and try to work at a Seven Eleven or something, <laughs> that would have been brave. But the other to try to teach English, that that's courageous for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just... I would never... I wouldn't even consider it. (laughs) Well, I I think that that... It feels safe because you know other people are doing it. And we actually had some friends, like some of my AmeriCorps friends had done it. So I was like, okay, it must not be that hard. It was hard. I wouldn't... I would never say it wasn't difficult. But it wasn't difficult. You know, the expectations on you were low. And I think that's when I realized when I was there, I was like, I can greet these kids and be like, hi, how are you? And like, you know get enthusiastic about trying to teach them English. But in the end, that's all the I could contribute to that yeah. space. Like I couldn't help with anything else because I couldn't understand what else was needed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think what I learned about myself then is I'm like, I'm a doer. Like I want to do things. I want to make things better or see opportunity in making them better. And there I just – I felt limited in that. So it was mm-hmm. like – it was amazing because you could go – um travel very easily so we got to see more of asia which was a real gift because i think you know going to asia is not always everyone's like um it's not top priority no yeah Yeah. but then we got to see quite a few places and it was like you know again opening your world view is is such a gift yeah did you go to the great wall of china we did we walked on the great wall i'd love to do that yeah it was amazing and it's also um falling apart so it's very unsafe but it was like oh is it really yeah but they didn't care it was just yeah. like you walked, I think we walked like five or something. They don't really have OSHA over there so much, right? <laughs> no. And then it was so wild because you'd be walking on it and then there'd be like these little tiny older Chinese women like on the top with like this cooler of water. I'm like, how did you get this up here? Yeah. You know, I was just like, I don't understand. So yeah. it was this, you know, cool. And then you could zip line off of it no back kidding, to no. the beginning. And I was like, I don't... Uh, yeah. That doesn't feel safe to me. I won't no, be doing if they're, that. If they're, the wall's crumbling. <laughs> the wall's crumbling, and I'm like, how safe is this? Yeah, that's that's crazy. There, I think there's a marathon that runs 
on the Great Wall of China. At least part of it. Or I bet. Not, you know? Well, and there's some parts that are really well good, but like we yeah. went to the part that's kind of falling apart. So yeah. that'd be one of the good, cool things to see because, yeah. you know, just yeah. see from outer space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, no, it's, yeah. And and that's the thing is John, John and I are super grateful for the opportunities that yeah. we've had to go and see places. And I think, you know, when we have a vision for 5518, it's always, you know, what do you do when you own a store to try to make this place feel uh, like a destination, yeah. like a place people want to come and visit. And we can only do a little part on our own. And so that's that collective, like, how do we all work together to make this a place that we're so proud of that when people come visit it, it's like, I can't wait to get yeah. back there, you know? Yeah. That's pretty cool. And you guys, uh, well, how was the food, I guess, first? Oh. You, was it good? Yeah, so good. Um, yeah. You know, and also different, yeah. right? So there were times it was like, I've had so much. I mean, it was like kimchi every day. Every yeah. day you had lunch. And I learned over the course of that year that rice is not a friend of mine. Like, I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't eat another drop yeah, of rice. you can only eat so much rice in your lifetime. I'd say and so. I had, a, like, my fill there. But the food is excellent, you know. And there's a couple Korean restaurants in Bozeman, you know, so you yeah. can try that food because it is really good. And it's a little bit spicy yeah. and uh, leaves the taste on your tongue. So you had to be way better <laughs> about brushing your teeth and your tongue. Yeah. Can you speak the language pretty good still? No. No? Uh, John and I have some like keywords we can yeah. say, but it was too hard because you were you were just overstimulated. You were like trying to entertain six classes of youth yeah. a day, plus trying to just survive. So we had survival Korean. We can actually it's easy to read. It's um, oh really? Yeah, it doesn't look like it would be, but all of the shapes correlate to a sound. And so John taught me on the bus one day yeah. into Seoul. And I was like, all right, I guess we can do it. It felt like you were playing Balderdash though. Cause um, we'd like pronounce it like very slowly. And then we'd be like, Oh, it's beep and bop, you know, like, or whatever dish it was. <laughs> I, I had a, I struggled with Spanish in high school and then in college. And I, I, today I think I could order a beer, not a specific beer, but a beer and ask where the bathroom is. That's about all I have in three semesters of UM yeah. in Spanish. Uh, and Spanish is like, I mean, there's similarities to English. You can you can read read it a lot easier, right. you know. And there's you see some of the words you can tell what they're saying. Yes, they're similar and everything. But there's no similarities between English and Korean no. that that I can think no, of. I, anyway. They they have chija is cheese or yeah. basa is bus. <laughs> so oh. there were a couple things. Oh, but we, that would be handy. Though, yeah, basa. those we could get. Yeah. But some of them, yeah. And so again, I mean, it was brave to go there, but it was. There were other people that were way braver than us because yeah. they went alone. We went together. Yeah. And I was like, and, you know, you were supposed to be married and we weren't. And, yeah. you know, they were kind of like, well, and I'm like, I'm not coming if we can't, like, live together. <laughs> yeah. And so um, it was just fun. And they, it was funny because the gal that taught in the school before me was Irish. And so one day the girl goes, Cassie, I cannot understand anything that you're saying because <laughs> everything that they learned was that through an Irish accent. Yeah. And I was like sorry about it which is tough to understand too i know but then that's what they were learning so i was like okay and there was all kinds of people like we have really good friends that live in south africa they were teachers there too and so that's a different accent as well yeah so and you just learned i think how interesting english is like how we say things it's like that doesn't make any sense we just do it yeah so you couldn't describe it either so I've had people who couldn't understand me with my butte accent right you know yeah they're like where are you from yeah (laughs) I get that a lot, you know, you know, when you go around and, but of course I, I can say I have friends, I have friends in Boston and different places around the United States. You're talking about friends in Asia and South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that, uh, 
it seems like you're doing things right when you have friends all around the world. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think when I look back, I'm just so grateful that we have been given opportunities yeah. to let us grow an expansive group of humans around the globe that we can we get to love still. Yeah. Were, were you a four point student in high school? No, really. <laughs> you see, you, 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 well, you got the glasses. You know, they 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 just shout valedictorian right at you. But uh, I just yeah. assumed that you were pretty close no. to football. No, I think I, like, I like learning stuff that I'm interested in learning. But, yeah. like, after I got my bachelor's degree, I was like, I'm okay not going back to school. Where yeah. John, like, John loves learning. And so, you know, he went back to tech and got his master's degree. And, I mean, honestly, he he's someone that could probably go on and continue to learn. I'm yeah. like, I'm all set. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I know. I yeah. Enough, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's what I love about working here is that, I know that it matters, you know, like yeah. when I work with someone, I'm like, so I've learned the social security process. I've learned about Medicaid, like those things I like learning about because they impact real people's lives. Yeah. And when I am able to help someone, like when I can take, when I can give them a drop of hope or a breather from the stress they felt because they got 16 letters in the mail that make no sense. Yeah. And I can be the interpreter of that information. I'm like, okay, this matters, <laughs> yeah. you know, because- we all know it, right? When life happens yeah. to you and you feel like you can't breathe or you can't see outside of it, you need someone that is like, I got you, yeah. you know? And like, we get a B at this organization. Like, I got you. We can yeah. do this. And that's the best job ever. Congratulations to this week's Lescovar Honda Athletes of the Week, East Middle School 8th graders Aaron Merrow and Delania Crake. In a celebration of inclusivity and camaraderie, East Middle School's unified basketball team has been thriving, exemplifying the true spirit of sportsmanship. The determination of Aaron and Delania has led the team that is making waves on and off the court. For Aaron, being part of this team isn't just about scoring points, it's about creating an atmosphere where everyone feels valued and included. Delaney's journey on the court is more than just skillful plays and impressive shots. It's about spreading positivity and embracing diversity. Congratulations, Aaron and Delania, and thank you, Lescovar Honda, for honoring the hardworking student-athletes of the Mining City. Hey, Butte America, John Davis here at Lescovar Honda. With winter approaching and hunting season in full swing, now is the time to get into that all-wheel drive you've been dreaming about. We have one of the largest selections of new and pre-owned vehicles in the state. So with clearly marked prices, a non-commissioned sales staff, lifetime of free car washes, and voted number one in all of Butte, the choice is clear. Lescovar Honda, home of the famous 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty. Visiting your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops was already your favorite stop of the day. Now, it is even better. Join the brand new Thriftway Loyalty Club to rack up big discounts, earn free stuff, and receive more TLC with every visit. Download the TLC app and take advantage of great deals on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, fresh brewed coffee, cool fountain drinks, and much, much more at your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops. Loyalty Club members also save five cents per gallon off top-tier conical fuel every single day. Plus, earn points at the pump and in the store. Casa Grande Steakhouse serves steak and so much more. You cannot beat their seasoned, hand-cut Rocky Mountain ground beef. But did you know about their menu filled with made-to-order pastas, chicken sautés, mouth-watering seafood, appetizers, enticing desserts, or their most recent addition, sushi? 
Thursday nights are sushi nights at Casa Grandes, where you will be welcomed as a part of the family. Casa Grandes can also handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Visit Casa Grande Steakhouse inside the historic Bertoglio Warehouse at 801 South Utah Avenue in Uptown Butte. Call 406-723-4141 for reservations. Check out their menu at casagrandesteakhouse.com. Casa Grande Steakhouse, eat where the locals eat. Is your house too cold or is it too hot? Either way, Lockmer Sheet Metal is here to help. With more than 40 years of experience in the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning trade, Lockmer Sheet Metal strives to bring you quality service and knowledgeable work to help with your HVAC projects or needs. Lockmer Sheet Metal offers repair services for all forced air, central air systems, installation of new HVAC systems, service contracts for maintenance and service, all residential and commercial applications, fabrication of sheet metal for all types of projects, and ventilation and exhaust systems. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerSheetMetal.com to warm up or cool down with Lockmer Sheet Metal, your local dealer of train heating, cooling, air handling, and ventilation products. For all your home heating and cooling needs, remember Lockmer Sheet Metal. Now, you were a good athlete in Whitehall because uh, I've... I, I was okay. Some, no, <laughs> I found some stories you were... The, you must have been the setter on the volleyball team. I was team. the setter on the volleyball team. And, and how tall are you? I'm only 5'8 and 3 quarters, so okay. I say I'm 5'9". But you're taller than... not. You're taller than average probably for a woman. But yeah. Not, 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 yeah, I'm not super you, tall. You're not, you're not dunking. No, definitely means, but, not. Yeah, so but it, setters a lot of times are smaller. Yeah. The, you know, the 5'2 you know, girl. Yeah, and I'm actually left-handed, so I think people I thought am? that I would be good at hitting, but I can't control these, like, long arms to, oh, like, really? do that. So I've been playing, you know, bar volleyball over the years, and then we just started league down at the um, annex. Oh, did you? And so I still, to this day, like, setting the most. I'll hit it sometimes, but I'm not... Yeah. Coordinated. Well, it seems, it seems settings fitting because that's what your job is now. It's kind yeah, of setting. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I guess so. I never yeah. thought about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just being kind of, um, seeing, seeing who yeah. needs it or who's up or who's got this. And yeah. Yeah. And I read some stories, uh, I probably wrote a few of them cause I started at the standard right around then. That's not wild to think about. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, found a few stories where you scored some pretty good points, hit some threes on the basketball team. Yeah. I... I'm not that competitive. Yeah. Which is really interesting because I was like the tallest also on the basketball team, which is like <laughs> oh, also not tall, yeah. but I, me and another girl were the same height. And you're hitting threes, so you were weren't posting up all Well, the time. I was the post. I don't Did think it? if I hit a three, it was very random. Because oh, really? I don't feel I, like I was very okay, I could be confused. I, yeah. I I also found Becky Hancock's story right next to one okay. of your stories. I don't think I mean if I hit a three, it was probably very rare. Yeah. I, in fact I don't think I scored a lot of points. I mean, I think I've always like I'm not that competitive. Like I, I, well, you I be would mean play. And competitive at but the I, post. but I just like, I would do it. But right. I liked kind of getting to know like the other teams better, and I would be like joking, or we'd <laughs> lose, and I'd get on the bus, and um, Julie Kickbush was my basketball coach, and everyone would be like mad if we lost, and I was like moving on, <laughs> and there she was like Cassie, and I was like, well, I mean, what are we gonna do about it? Like yeah. just like we have another game or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna sit back there and be sad about it it's already over <laughs> so I, I think it was an unconventional approach to yeah. doing it but i would drive a lot of coaches nuts probably yeah i don't think they loved it um yeah. i think i actually liked volleyball better um yeah. just as far as playing wise but yeah it was yeah yeah it was fun and, I, and growing up in whitehall it was great to have the opportunity to play the sport you wanted to play because there wasn't a lot yeah. of people 
doing yeah. it. They're happy to have anybody out probably. Yeah, no. Them. And we were actually pretty good when I played back in those days. Yeah. And so it was fun to just be part of it. Yeah. Did you do track too? No. No. I'm not fast. <laughs> and I'm just like a little, I'm not, I'm not going to call myself lazy, but I'm like, I've got to be motivated. And yeah. that did not motivate Gotta me. Got to have a bear coming for you to run, right? Yeah. John and I have taken up pickleball recently. That's about our speed. <laughs> yeah. You guys are way too young for pickleball. It's so fun it, It's like a 70 plus sport. Yeah, season. but I'm like. Sweeping the nation right now. Yeah, totally. And yeah. like we were playing tennis. I'm like, tennis is too big. Like we need something smaller. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, you can, you don't have to chase it as far, yeah. No, and we love, I mean, we love cross-country skiing. And and yeah. and John taught me when I was 25 to downhill ski, because he lived in Peaberg, so he could, yeah. you know, go up to the hill 52 times a year or whatever. And I, growing up in Whitehall, I never skied, because when you were playing sports, you weren't allowed to. Oh, no, for sure, yeah. And so then I never learned. So then he taught me, um, and, and I, I enjoy that, but like, you know, for me, going out, like, if you're going to live in the snow, you have to be able to enjoy it because yeah. if not, it just feels very long. And so cross-country skiing just feels like this way to sit out in nature and like the quietness of the world. Right. And great and exercise it's too. Great exercise. Yeah. And we have a husky. And so uh, she pulls me. So we ski jor, which nice. at Molten is terrifying because it's kind of downhill yeah. and sister's Down the fast. Wid the Widowmaker there, Yeah, right? no, she's fast. So, uh, you yeah. know. Uh, What's her name, really sister? Margo. Margo. <laughs> Margo. That's a good name. Yeah. She's cute. Yeah, the Widowmaker there. I used to jog up there with okay. my dog in the summertime because my dog. There's water for the dog. If it was hot, it was shady. And one time we went running down the Widowmaker, and there was a moose and her calf right oh, there. Oh no! And I turned around. I thought I was just. I wasn't going to yell at my dog or anything. I just turned around and ran right back up that thing. I figured if she's on her own, I'm on my own. And she followed me. It was a one that time, was probably the best one time that yeah. she. Normally, like if we saw a horse, she'd go chase the horse and stuff. This was, you know, a few dogs ago, you know, yeah. Back, like this was right around probably two thousand or so, and uh, I've never been back there. I'm not going around where. No, I that, I won't go up there in the summer. <laughs> I'm like I'm scared. Yeah, moose. I'm, <laughs> and they're up there in the winter too. I just yeah. luckily we haven't seen them. At least bears hibernate. Yes, <laughs> but moose. Yeah, no, I'm I'm respectful of nature. I'm not yeah. interested in seeing those animals. No, not up, not especially no, not up close. No, maybe pictures. Especially if from, you're running. Yeah, you know, it's one thing if you're like in the car. Yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. So, what, what college did you go to? I went to MSU. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't have allegiance to a school, though. Yeah, that's how I. I went. I to just UM don't care. I went. To, oh, really? So I went to UM, and I'm like neutral. I, yeah. I, I cheer for the team with the most Butte guys on it, and if there's no Butte guys, the most Montanans. Yeah. You know, but uh, I'm not slanted in any way. Yeah. So I went for health and human development. Um, I thought I wanted to be an elementary education teacher, and then I did like the in-school experience. And I was like, no, I don't no, want to be I, a teacher. I got so much respect for teachers. I do cause too. Cause it's not easy. It's, it's so hard. And it's so many dynamics that are out of your control too. Yeah. Um, so then I went for health and human development, which aligned again with the, I think the vision that I had for my life. So I, I didn't get too involved with any on campus things, but I did work at Bennigan's, which was, um, at the time, you know, Bozeman was just starting to yeah. grow. I applied for the job there and 750 people applied to be servers there. And no I was kidding. like, holy cow. And so you had to do three interviews and they were like, what would it mean for you to work here? And I was <laughs> like, um, probably just money, but yeah, I mean, yeah. do you want a deeper answer? So I worked there and that was really my community there. And, and honestly, I, I had this experience that, just, that sticks with me to this day is I had never lived on my own, right? Um, until then, and I grew up in Whitehall, so I grew up on a dirt road, and I, you know, we weren't shoveling our sidewalk because we didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know yeah. about that, and I got a ticket for like fifty bucks back then, <laughs> and it 
totally changed my life. Really? It opened my eyes. I was like, oh my God, I'm part of something bigger. Like yeah. if I don't do my part, then maybe other people aren't doing their part and, and we're part of a system. And I feel like there's nothing more clear than a sidewalk system showing that you're part of something bigger. Yeah. And so, you know, I've worked a lot on trying to get the city to enforce the snow shoveling ordinance. I don't know anybody who's ever got a ticket. No, they haven't. And I, and I would like that because yeah. especially in the business district and along the bus routes, because yeah. I've, I teach people how to ride the bus here. Um, it's dangerous. Yeah. Right. If I have to ride the bus because that's my form of transportation or walk because that's my form of transportation and something's not shoveled, either my feet get super wet or it turns to ice, like just all the things that happen. <coughs> um, and so really seeing this system, yeah. right? Sidewalks are a system that For sure, are up. Yeah are very visual to us, right? Like, you know, if someone didn't shovel. So through Ability Montana, we started the Snow Buddies program, which was really meant to help folks who can't shovel. Because yeah. there's I obviously people that can't. I about that by watching John Amy pretend like he oh was Oh my shoveling. God, I love John Amy. He's so good to me. <laughs> you know, it's, um, there are folks that can't, right? And, yeah. I, and I always want to be someone that sees that. And so part of the work that I've done, and, and again, it comes back to me getting this ticket, is that I'm like, um, who lives next to you? Do you know your neighbors? And if you yeah. can see them, if you can see they need help, then you can be the one to help. Or hopefully someone that you live near does. And there's tons of people in Butte that they're like, I have a four-wheeler. I do the whole neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and I, those are local heroes to me, you know, because it's like walkability and getting in and out of your house is everything to keep you from yeah. isolation. Yeah, for sure. And I, I always thought... Uh... They should give the mailman the ability to write tickets. I think so too. The mail carriers, well, I should say, that's... since we're in the 21st century. Yes. <laughs> I, I love uh, when my mail carrier was uh, Jessica LaProus. I used to love calling her my mailman. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, but the, the mail carriers give them the ability to write the tickets. Well, and what I did learn, and I appreciate that, is they can tell them that they won't get their mail delivered anymore if it's not shoveled. But there's two cues there. It's either A, that person can't do it, so how can we yeah. help them? Or B, they don't recognize their responsibility. Yeah. And so I, I do think there's a lot, you know, especially I think about my time in Bozeman, there's tech students that grew up on dirt roads in rural Montana. Yeah. They don't know about their responsibility because they can walk, they're young and agile. They'll walk on yeah. the snow, they'll slip and fall on it. It's no big deal to them. But, you know, we went into ortho care last year because um, John had broke his foot, not on the snow, but, yeah. but they said we've had like seven people like, the last two weeks fall and break their yeah. ankle and that on can be the a life changing thing for someone that, who's elder. Oh, like, you know, it, yeah. life ending thing. I mean, Oh, absolutely. Break I've, your hip, end up in the hospital. And, it's everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, life's busy. And so I think, you know, recognizing the grace and going, I know you have a lot going on, but then it's like, how do we look out for each other? Like, what is it to be community? What is it to be yeah. neighbors to kind of help each other? So if I shovel for you, sometimes you shovel for me sometimes, or, Hey, I got you neighbor, you know, yeah. that, that sense of community is so easy because it doesn't require you talking to someone. You can yeah. literally just do an act of kindness yeah. and it doesn't require anything else. It's just like, I did my good deed and I'm moving on. Yeah. We have a neighbor who next door neighbor who de never shovels. And I always shovel a sidewalk just down the, 
I don't go into his yard where the mailman yeah. goes. And my wife says, why are you shoveling the sidewalk for him? He's, he's the, he has the ability to do it for himself. So I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it for the mailman. And, that, and that's, that's <laughs> yeah. another reason. I, yeah. I have a similar neighbor that never does theirs. Yeah. And I was like, it, would make, it was making me mad. And I'm like, if it makes you mad, then you do it. Yeah. Like, just it take care of it. takes a couple minutes, right? And I, um, I love um, Mitzi Russell. And she, I was talking to her one day. And she always picks up garbage as she's walking uptown. And I'm like, hey. I love that you do that. Why do you do that? And she goes, well, one day I was walking uptown and I pointed out to my nephew that I didn't, you know, that why is all this garbage here? Someone should do something about it. And the nephew looked at her and said, you're someone. <laughs> and nice. I was like, wow. I mean, just that message of, yeah. if you, and, and likewise, if you care about something, you can be the agent of change for that thing. Yeah. If you, if you care enough about it, I think we're more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and that's why I think have someone having your back makes a big difference, right? Cause if you're vulnerable and you're like, I want this to be better mm-hmm. getting people around you that go, okay, I want it to be better too. There's nothing that gives more life and more energy than that kind of like connection between yeah. people. And just, if just one out of 10 people were like that, like Mitzi pick up garbage. Oh, exactly. Garbage. No, it's, it's so true. And I mean, she faithfully does it. And I'm like, yeah. you are so awesome. <laughs> and so. Um, my pal, Todd Hoare, he always was like, I'll pick up any garbage if I can see a garbage can. He's like, I'm not going to walk around (laughs) with someone else's garbage, like all over town. He's like, but if I see a garbage can, I'll pick it up. So, I mean, kind of in that line is like one of the goals, hopefully through Butte is that eventually we'll get so many garbage cans. We don't have to worry about where will I find a garbage can. Um, I was really shocked to know that garbage cans are like $900 a piece. Really? I... Yes, because I wrote a SARTA grant because I wanted some more garbage cans. They're expensive. That's kind of like the old uh, Pentagon paying like a thousand dollars for a toilet seat kind of stuff. Yeah. Story, right? Well, and I, but we bought it independently from yeah. the same distributor, yeah, and I was still... just like, they are so expensive. Yeah. Wow. It's, I didn't realize that. I didn't either. And so it's like the things I always try to remember is I have plenty of feelings about things, but I try to get to the root of it, so I'm not making assumptions yeah. and saying they're not doing this or they're not doing this. So anytime someone comes to me and says, well, I wish this would be better. And I'm like, okay, well, what can you do to help? Or who yeah. did you tell? Or what do you know about it? Cause I think it's really easy for us to just like have something to complain about. And I don't want us to complain about stuff. Yeah. I want us to be action oriented. I love at the ice rink, the Butte community ice center. Um, they have that sign that says before you complain, have you volunteered oh, yet? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. And I think that is Everything. Yeah. It's everything because it it's not just Butte Silver Bow that should be taking care of everything. We all play a part as a piece of this community to really take care of her. Yeah. She deserves it. You know, if we all do our part, it you can tell. Yeah. That pride gleams. And you see it when you go to certain neighborhoods and they're all shoveled. I mean, there's nowhere better to walk your dog than the lower West End because those folks get no. it. They're shoveling. And... It's, I think it's that reminder that like good is so present where we are and around the world. And it's easy to forget when like COVID happened and, you know, there's so much darkness and sadness and scariness and fear um, that if you can come back to the good that's happening, then you're kind of, you start again in that place of like hope, which we need because without it, then we'll just tank. We'll just tank. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Now, and and a lot of the work that you guys do too is, uh, the ability to get into buildings in, in Butte, and, yeah. you know, because we like the 
course, what are we, about 33 years out from the Americans with Disabilities Act? Yeah, which is not very long, right? I mean, yeah. it's long enough that, that it should be implemented everywhere. Yeah, but we're old enough to remember it not being in but place. But we're old enough so, for it not being here, you yeah, know? Yeah, I was and 16 when that came into place. Isn't that you know, nuts? So. Like, people with disabilities didn't have rights. There's a um, documentary on Netflix called Crip Camp. And if people haven't watched it, I would highly recommend it. It talks about the disability rights history, but it is so powerful because the disability rights movement was a civil rights movement. And um, the thing about disability is that it's uh, the only minority group you can join at any time. If you live long enough, you will experience disability. And so through that lens, it's like, hey, how are we looking out for each other? And I think when we think of like Native American cultures, we're like... The whole thing we know about them is they take care of their elders. Yeah. And we should all be doing that, right? Yeah, for sure. Every yeah. single grandparent, older person in our community benefits from access. And then that trickle down, if we have points of access, everyone can get in. You know, yeah. access benefits everyone. Everyone likes the bigger stalls. Everyone, you know, from time to time, you might use that grab bar in the bathroom. Yeah. We benefit from better communication with signage. You know, there's all these things about the ADA that came into play because if there's not laws, then there's no guarantee of access. And if you can't have access, you can't participate in your community. Hey, everyone. John Wick here. You might recognize this buttery smooth voice from the episode 81 of the Buttecast. Along with my wife, Cassie, I want to take a second and thank everyone for supporting 5518 Designs, our store at 27 North Main Street in Uptown Butte. For seven years now, we have made it our goal to celebrate who we are and what we enjoy about living in Butte and in Montana. At 5518, you'll find the latest in-house designed apparel and gifts that do just that. And they're all produced locally and finished in store. We also carry a wide variety of outdoor essentials from trusted brands like Chaco, Kavu, and Dekine. I invite you to stop in the next time you're shopping, eating, or even playing in historic Uptown Butte. 5518 Designs, 27 North Main Street in Uptown Butte, and online at shop5518.com. Are you looking for a place to host a special event or a party, or just looking for a drink served by the best mixologist in town? Look no further than 51 Below Speakeasy and Casino. Take a step back in time and enjoy some of our signature cocktails such as an old-fashioned or a pink mate. Stop in for happy hour Monday through Thursday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. and 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Friday and Saturday for $2 cans of your favorite beer or two for five seltzers or well mixers. Or try one of our tap beers for just $5 along with weekly specialty cocktails. Located underneath the Miners Hotel, where Butte locals receive a 20% discount on rooms, 51 Below has live music every Friday night. So stop by 51 Below Speakeasy and Casino for a good time with good friends and great drinks. And don't forget to dial 5. You want to watch your favorite football team on Sunday, but it isn't on TV? No problem. Go to Metal Sports Bar & Grill and check out all the games. In addition to a full-service bar and a menu full of terrific entrees cooked to perfection, Metals also has the Sunday ticket. Kick back with some raised fingers, the best pizza in town, and a refreshing drink as you root on your team on one of 31 big screen TVs at Metals. Don't miss a moment of your favorite team with Metals Sports Bar and Grill, where the food is the star. Metals is open at 11 a.m. every Sunday during football season. There's no story so good that a drink from Park Street Liquors won't make it better. From the finest whiskeys and regional spirits to the latest RTDs and select wines, Park Street Liquors has all the ingredients to make your parties and stories legendary. 
Park Street Liquors can also assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menus. You name it and Park Street Liquors has it. Stop by and see Tom and the crew at 133 West Park Street or call 406-782-6278. Make your stories legendary. There's a, a part in John Amy did a story, was it last week? Yeah. Uh, about buildings in Butte. And it talks about the woman crawling up the stairs into the police station. And there was a sign around the, around the side she could have got in, but there was no sign saying that. On the front. And so just those no little yeah. things. And again, I always say, if you know better, you can do better. Yeah. You know, sometimes we just don't know. So I, I did, I we made this thing called the ADA business self-assessment. And, um, you know, we want businesses to call us. We want people to go, yeah. hey, how can I do better by the people that live in my community? And it's little things, right? Um, a doorknob is yeah. not accessible for people, right? If you have arthritis at all or any kind of yeah, mobility squeeze, limitations, yeah. you can't squeeze to turn the knob. Yeah. And just, we have a, even on the back door of the shop, there's a knob back there. And I should just tell John to change it because every winter it like freezes in a way. I'm like, I can't get in here. <laughs> and so it's like, but with a lever handle, you don't have that problem. And I think if we learned anything from COVID, nobody wanted to touch a doorknob because yeah. you had to spend a lot more time. A lever time. handle, you can, hit it a lever handle, you can use elbow. any other, your foot, you know, yeah. you can use a lever handle. So it's like little things like that. And and lever handles aren't the only, only accessible piece. Like there's other ways that doors can be made accessible, but knobs are just like not it. But people don't know that. So like even when we opened Dig City, I said to John, I'm like, okay, I'm going to change this knob. And he goes, I don't have time for that. And I was like, I have time for that because I know it matters. (laughs) Not because he didn't care, but like he doesn't, it's not his, like he doesn't experience that barrier. So now it's like, how do we get people to recognize when when something is a barrier and how do you change it preemptively so you don't have to have someone come to you? Cause it is uncomfortable. If you can't get in somewhere, it's like, Hey, oh, sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to inconvenience you, but it's like, if you can do something ahead of time and just make it accessible, you never have to have those hard, strange conversations. Yeah. And just even like, um, when you go to check out somewhere, like sometimes the counters are super high. Well, there should always be a lower part of the counter for people, for children, for people that are shorter, you know, just people in wheelchairs so that they have the same access to you that doesn't require this major stretch up to try to do stuff. Um, Accessibility is about dignity. And so it's none of our business if somebody needs to use a grab bar in the bathroom because we don't know. We just don't know. So even if, you know, it's not, you know, some, sometimes with the old buildings, it's hard, right? It's so expensive to do remodeling, but what you can do is you can always add a grab bar in a bathroom, even if it's not completely accessible. Cause people need that to get up sometimes, yeah. you know, cause just cause you're not in a wheelchair doesn't mean you don't need like a little bit of a grasp to get up. Yeah. And, you know, we've had different instances over the years where people didn't like they built a new building and then they just didn't put the grab bars in. I was like, these are the easiest part. They're not very expensive. <laughs> yeah, there's and, a couple bucks down the base, yeah. Yeah, and then you know I watched someone bring their spouse in that had at the time been using a wheelchair and had limited mobility, and I'm like, they can't go to the bathroom here. Yeah. And and I I'm afraid for you to go try now because you would think that because this is a new building it would be done. So it's like. The barrier in that is that now people have to think ahead. Oh, can I go out at all? Because yeah. now I have to pre-scout if I can get in there, if I can go to the bathroom, if I can. And so that's why it's like you can see that people aren't seeing people with disabilities because they're like, they don't, 
they don't live here, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, they do. Yeah. Like we did a comedy show called The Comedians. Oh, we, after the Let's Talk Disability, I had a um, friend who has a disability and he did a comedy show. And we did it at the Elks. And uh, it was funny because we had people that use wheelchairs in there. And this person looks over and he goes, do these people live here? And it was like, yes, yeah. but they can't, they can't necessarily get out. Yeah. And so it was really cool because from that experience, um, we worked with the Elks and I'm like, hey, there's not an accessible bathroom at the Elks. And man, this would be a great event space if we knew everybody could not only yeah. get in here, but go to the bathroom once they're in here. And so they committed to it and they built an accessible bathroom at oh, the Elks. So yeah. that was enormous and i'm just so grateful to them because yeah. it means everything to people and it means that you can hold your event there comfortably yeah, it's good for business good access is good business yeah. that's what we say because it's yeah. just it makes the difference if people can get there they can spend money in your business yes and you want that and yeah. i think sometimes people are like oh you know it's too hard for people to get uptown because of like the grade of the street well it's not impossible Right. Yeah. And so those aren't good reasons not to make something accessible. So it's more like let's err on the side of accessibility when yeah, we do sure. things because it, it means everyone can join. Yeah. I have a distant cousin my who I've never met. She's my dad's age. And she was uh, paralyzed in a in a bike, freak bike wreck. Like she was going down Main Street and the bridge, you know, the tunnel where you go under just above Woolman Street. Yeah. That that bridge was out. And, oh, she, no. and she went down and that it was uh, the brakes went out. And but she's so she's paralyzed from the waist down. And she she lives in Colorado, I believe. And I was talking to her sister recently, and she says she doesn't ever want to come back to Butte. She very rarely comes back to Butte because she can't get in anywhere. Everyone wants to go out in all these places, you know. They want to go to Peking or the, or the KC or whatever, and they can't get in. And I know the KC is looking into grants to yeah, try to make and some, it more and, accessible. And it is but. true that that sometimes it's hard to make places accessible. Yeah. I mean, not impossible, but but difficult, right? Yeah. Like the KC's in kind of a unique circumstance where the door is recessed and it's up pretty high. And yeah, it'd be one you'd probably of a steep have ramp, to, yeah. yeah, and you'd probably have to, you know, be creative in the way you do it. But but it doesn't mean it's impossible. Yeah. But Gal, if if you if you want to, let's do it. Yeah. You know, like we always want the energy of more access. Yeah, that's and and the more that. You know, I had my 14th work anniversary here yesterday, I think. Oh, really? This week, sometime I turned 14. I didn't realize this place has been 14 Yeah, and, and just, I think us moving up to our new location here has really helped because we're visible. Yeah, and, and, and improved a building that needed improvement. And yeah, and we so didn't, luckily better. we didn't do that. Yeah. But, but, but again, in order, for, when you work in the disability field, you have to have an accessible building. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful to, you know, Tracy Miller and her husband renovated this building for Butte this Real Estate beautiful Group. Up here, yeah. It's beautiful. And they they did it. They have a ramp. The bathrooms are perfectly accessible. That's hard to find in Butte. You know, yeah. like we couldn't just go into any old building because we really, really want people to know that this is a quality, good, safe, accessible place for them to visit. So we've been very lucky with that. But so then our mission outside of us is... We don't want people with disabilities just coming here. Yeah. We want people with disabilities engaged in our community. And the thing about disability is I think we're getting better at it, but it feels sometimes scary or off-putting for people to to call themselves disabled or to say that. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to call yourself a disability, like a person with a disability. Yeah. If you don't want to, you get to decide. But like, you know, having chronic health issues, you know, all this stuff is part of life. And I mean... Obviously, for John and I, um, when we were in our early 30s, he was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And that really changed the way that I saw things. Even though I was already working here, 
it shifted the way that I did business here because it made me realize that it's okay to be mad and it's okay to be sad and it can be really lonely when yeah. life happens. Um, but if we meet people where they are in the right way, it's healing. And so that stuff shifts your, and, and that's going to happen to everybody. Life happens yeah. to absolutely everybody. And so, you know, as stuff has happened to us, we've had community rise up around us. And I think that's why we love Butte so much as had we lived somewhere else when we were going through that cancer event, we might not have had the community that we had from yeah. Butte. People cooked for us. They gave us money. They saved us. I mean, yeah. we were just like, you know, trying to figure it out. It was like people were getting married and having kids. And I was like, are you going to live? Yeah. You know, it's scary stuff. And, Terrifying, yeah. and And stuff you would never wish on somebody. But then after that, anytime someone was diagnosed with cancer – uh, and they were young, we were the first people they would tell. And that's so heavy, but also what a gift to be able to sit in pain with somebody and go, um, I'm not going anywhere yeah. and I can handle however you're feeling. And I, I think that's, that's what really makes being human special is having those moments of connection with people. Um, I have my, I have kidney disease and, um, you know, stuff you can't see and you'd never know, Yeah, but happens. And so for me, I've had to change my whole diet to try to preserve my, the kidney function I have left so that I don't have to ask somebody for a kidney, which I also think feels like an enormous ask. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to have to ask you for one of your body parts. So, but what that means is that, um, I had to go on basically a vegan diet and low sodium. Well, this is right. not exactly a place that has a lot of options when you're not yeah. eating meat and potatoes <laughs> and so but but it's okay right it's like you figure it out and you yeah. cook at home more and you're flexible in it but it's it's just like little things right it's like everybody's kind of experiencing stuff we have no idea what's going on with them and um and being open to change being open to growth and you know i'm always like hi could you add a vegan item to your menu <laughs> because yeah. you know if every if every restaurant had a a vegan option, right? And yeah. everybody could eat there. And I think it's funny because like the word vegan like evokes this emotion out of people. And, oh, yeah. And so, you know, plant-based, whatever you want to call it. But but really, people got to do stuff for health reasons now. And I'm like, now's the time to be alive if you've got some, you know, conditions yeah. that need you to be well, able to be we'd, flexible. We'd all live longer too if we were all on vegan diets. Well, and I mean, I, I, I feel good, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's just so interesting because you can't feel kidney disease. And so, you know, hey, when you guys get your blood work, Look at it. Yeah. They don't tell you. My doctor didn't tell me till my, like my function is at 34 right now. Um, really? Which is, you know, like I have like a third of my kidney function left. Um, you can't tell. You wouldn't know looking at me, right? But that number is on your blood work and it's your GFR number. Really? But if nobody tells you how to read your blood work, you can't see that. You can't see if it's declining. You can't see if it's decreasing. So I just think like sharing what's going on with people helps other people go, okay, yeah. how do I take care of myself I'm better? I'm going to go look at my last results now. No, I, I mean, home, yeah. I think everyone should. I hired yeah. a renal dietitian. She was specific to kidney stuff and it helped me enormously just like wrap my head around what does it mean to like live with this disease that yeah. is a blessing and a curse where it's like a blessing you can't feel it a curse that you know can yeah. be decreasing all yeah. along <clears throat> if you don't change something so yeah. so john and i say basically we might make one whole person together <laughs> <laughs> well i'm thinking if you need a kidney you're gonna have people lined up around the block and butte i'm just it. really hoping i don't have to do that <laughs> yeah. so i'm gonna do my best to to stave yeah. that off but thank you <laughs> yeah and and uh 
another another kid I know, Jason Alexander. I call him a kid. He's, of course, he's probably close to 40 years old now. You know, I've known him since he was a little kid. He's in a wheelchair, spina bifida or something. You know, he's had, and he's on our Butte Sports Hall of Fame committee. He's and awesome. I, and I put him on there because he knows more about sports than just about anybody. He follows sports so much in Butte. And he's a great guy to have on there, a knowledgeable person. But every time we have a meeting or event, we have to do or you know, I have to think where Jason can get in. Like I wanted to have the public forum at the KC. Can't do it there. Yep. You know, we, we're going to the McQueen Club, which is a great place too. I love and, that you're thinking that way. Because yeah. that's it, mm-hmm. right? It's like when we hold events that are public events. Yeah. How do we do it so we make sure everybody can come? Yeah. And you and because you know Jason, you're doing that. Yeah. And he, you know, and the thing is, is, you know, and I, I talked about having the KC people said, well, we got four guys, we can lift them in there. And, and I, I you know, I just joke with Jason because I, I knew he didn't want that. And he told me he was been in that building one time after his brother was coaching for tech. They won a big football game and he had four offensive linemen carried him up the stairs. He said it was the most humiliating moment of his life. I, I really appreciate yeah. you saying that because I do think... It's all about dignity, right? Yeah. Like, and, and no one feels dignity when they're getting. Carried. No, when people have to help you in your, yeah. you know, in your forties, and because then everybody's looking at you, and you're yeah. a big scene. That's why accessibility matters, right? Yeah. Is that it doesn't draw attention to you. You get to go into a building just like everybody else through the same entrance. You, yeah. that's that's dignity. That is so important. And actually, I had a visit with him about the renovation at Stodden Park. Um, because he keeps score at the games. Yeah. And he said, boy, after they redid Stodden Park, he goes, it was such a breeze for me to get to where I was going. Yeah. He's like, before it was so hard. But, you know, some people just don't say anything because they don't want to burden anybody or and cause a never, problem. He never, never say anything. Yeah. But boy, I think if we look at anything that we've done really well in Butte, Stodden Park is the example. Yeah. That is a completely inclusive park. We worked really closely with the Parks and Rec Department on the development of that park. So, you know, the pool is accessible. The playground is made with all that beautiful, accessible material. The um, There's a, which I think is very rare, but in the carousel, there's a ramp up to the carousel. And then there's yeah. two chariots that you can get inside of if you can't climb up on a horse. There's a seat or you can wheel a, put a wheelchair yeah. in there. So. Boy, what a shining example of doing something right the first time. Yeah. Stodden Park is just, we should be really proud of that. Yeah, it is It is a great place. It's, there's no better park around. No, and yeah. I mean, I love it because people from Bozeman are like, we don't have anything like this in Bozeman. And it's like, thank you, please give us our money back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, and back when my kids were little, we used to go to Bozeman for their dinosaur park. Right. You know, now, now uh, people are coming to Butte. They're yeah, just like, some. I got to go to Stodden. It's everything. Yeah, which is a great deal. Yeah. And they groom it in the winter so you can cross country ski on it. I mean, yeah. there's so much good happening in Butte. And I think one of our kind of barriers to really embracing that is uh, communication. It's just really yeah. hard for us to showcase the stuff that's going well or how people know it's going on. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm very lucky I sit on the Uptown Master Plan group as well. And so getting to talk about stuff, um, related to a future for Butte that feels really exciting. Plus, how are we going to communicate about it? How are we going to get people, you know, to come? Like, why wouldn't we want to be a destination? You know, owning a small business, it matters. Okay. We want people spending money at these little stores. That's what keeps them alive and going. 
Shop where the champions shop. Dig City Supply is now the official online retailer of Montana Tech Athletics, and you're home to everything ore diggers. But that's just where we start. We've got Uptown's largest selection of Butte High and Butte Central apparel, as well as all the area elementary schools. And while you're in, be sure to check out our special line of gear that we call the Butte Icon Collection. We've partnered with some cherished Butte businesses and organizations to create some fun, nostalgic designs, celebrating all the awesomeness that we have right here in town. Wear your pride from Dig City Supply, the official online retailer of Montana Tech Athletics. Uptown Butte at 43 West Park Street and online at digcitysupply.com. Lockmer Plumbing is more than Butte's complete union plumbing shop. Whether it is sponsoring Little League Baseball, High School Athletics, Montana Tech, Youth Racing, 4-H, Mining City Christmas, Action Inc.'s Homeless Solution Program, Head Start, or Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Butte, Lockmer Plumbing is always looking out for the people of the mining city. Owned and operated by Troy and Amy Lockmer since 2002, Lockmer Plumbing can handle all your residential, commercial, and industrial plumbing needs as well as making repairs and installations on all plumbing and boiler systems. In the heart of Uptown Butte, Lockmer Plumbing can also assist on new construction and planning for your new home or development. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerPlumbing.com today. Lockmer Plumbing has your pipes covered and so much more. Oh look, there's another one. Your favorite tavern, neighborhood gas station, and video stores have all been turned into the same thing, a casino. At Crazy Carol's, we've been doing things the right way for more than three decades. So let me introduce myself. I'm Deb Dinius, the manager of Crazy Carol's Casino Meal Bar, where you'll always find fun in motion and service that sets us apart. Take a trip off the beaten path. Come on over to the hood. We're located on the corner of Walnut and Hayes, where you'll find the big red barn just off the shores of beautiful Lake Berkeley. And don't forget, Buckle the Horse is available for photos. At Crazy Carol's Casino and Mill Bar, we're still so grievous after all these years. Thank you, Butte. Everybody knows the place to go. Crazy Carol's Casino and Mill Bar. You already know about the Knights of Columbus Athletic Club, which is the best workout bargain in town. But did you know the KC also is home to JoyFit 406? JoyFit 406 is Butte's only boutique fitness studio offering indoor cycling as well as a rich variety of other fitness classes from dance fitness and bar to Pilates, strength and conditioning, and flow. Regardless of your fitness level, JoyFit 406 fosters a spirit of inclusion and community. At JoyFit 406, they believe in more than just fitness. They believe in building connections and friendship that last a lifetime. Join their vibrant community today where health, happiness, and camaraderie come together in perfect harmony. Your journey to a stronger, more joyful you starts at JoyFit 406. To book a class or to get more information, visit JoyFit406.com, like JoyFit406 on social media, and download the JoyFit406 app. Also, don't forget to book the renovated Knights of Columbus Hall for your party or reception today. The Knights of Columbus is a proud sponsor of the Buttecast. Hey Butte America, Jeremiah Shields here at Lescovar Honda. We got some winter specials designed to keep your vehicle clean and looking sharp. If you're in need of a new windshield, let us take care of you and we will take $60 off of your next full detail. Short on funds? No worries. We've got flexible financing terms for just about everybody. Also, we are offering free windshield chip repair and headlight restoration with the purchase of a full detail. Remember, we offer pickup and delivery service as well at no cost. Because here at Lescavar Honda, we got you. You've been working lately for buildings for the codes, right? 
because of COVID, yeah. it's would be kind of a, a hassle for some businesses to to get like the ramps. Like Jamie Decker's having a hard time getting a ramp for her new business. Yeah, he's been working on that. Yeah, so we're uh, kind of actively working on helping that, and 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 working with Butte Silver Bow on you know the codes are out of date or they don't have the right information or they don't have the right procedure in place. And so that has been a barrier to her specifically about business, but I I think probably to some other people too, that maybe we haven't visited with and really getting to the core of a, why is it happening? And then B what's the solution to it and knowing that ramps are okay. Yeah. They're good. They're a piece of access for people. And so how do we, um, shift how we're doing business through Butte Silver Bow so that if a ramp is the proper option, that it's not a barrier to try to apply for and get that yeah. in place. And we have just been, we're, I just, I've, I know all the coolest people through this job. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I get to talk to people that are um, living with disabilities, but are also just super passionate and articulate about their experience. And so we're really excited because they're getting to speak up and go, Hey, I want to, you know, how do I benefit people downstream from me? How do I get stuff going so that once we get one ramp, that every ramp can be yeah. possible so that everybody, no matter when you become disabled, if you become disabled, you can still enjoy our community to its fullest. Yeah. Now, how does this, uh, the company survive? How, how is it funded? Ability Montana. Yeah. So we get state and federal funds and then we have a program through this organization. So Ability Montana is a resource and advocacy center for people mm. with disabilities. And so advocacy wise obviously is doing stuff like the ramp and then just basic access stuff. Um, but it's also working one-on-one with people. So, um, I'll help someone if they're going through the social security process or they're trying to apply for Medicaid or or I became disabled and my whole life has been flipped upside down. What do I do? We really want to support people. Because if you've yeah. never done anything in the disability field, you have no idea what's going on. That's our job. So yeah. call us. We'll help you navigate that and we'll be a support to you. And so we have another program that bills Medicaid for personal care. So folks can hire their friends or family member to do care in their home. Um, and our whole goal of through independent living is that you can stay in your own home as long as you can. So through that program, we get some kind of additional funds and we have some different grants and stuff. And, um, it's just, it's such a gift to be able to work, uh, with people to stay as independent as possible. And then we also like to say, if you're going to build a house, make sure you build it with at least one no step entrance and a bathroom on the main level. Cause if you do that, you can live out your life there. Stairs are a problem. They just are that you break a leg. It's a problem, you know? So how do we build for our future? How do we plan to age in place? And it looks like not having stairs. Yeah. And, and as I told you, I think, uh, before we got started, I, you know, after I started announced I was going to run for chief executive, I had a friend of mine who's, who's getting, you know, she's not as old as she acts like she is sometimes, you know, but she's telling me about this, the problems and concerns she has, but she's looking down the road. She's looking down 10, 15 years down the road for her yeah. getting out and, and, you know, she wants programs implemented, that can help, you know, uh, people be mobile because that's a big thing. Be able to go to the store, go wherever. Yeah, transportation is probably one of our biggest yeah. barriers. We have an incredible bus system in Butte and a paratransit, yeah. but those systems get taxed. I mean, yeah, they're they just can only do so they're, much, they can yeah. only do so much, and so there are creative ways to try to get transportation going. Um, and we'd like to do that, but 
it's, it's a bit daunting. I mean, it's, yeah. there's a lot of steps to try to get it. Um, in Wisconsin, they have a voucher program that reimburses mileage to folks that volunteer to drive people. And I'd love to see us implement something yeah. like that here because that's the thing is we're, we're getting older, right? People are living longer and the older you get, the, you know, your ability to drive goes away, yeah. but it doesn't mean your need to get out, your need to socialize, your need to run errands, go to doctors ends. Those yeah. things still exist. And so how do you get people like even right now, if someone has an appointment in Missoula or Bozeman, there's not enough, there's not a transportation system to get people to those appointments if they don't drive. I mean, and transportation's expensive. So, yeah. I mean, if anyone's interested in trying to work on that angle, we always are kind of talking yeah. about that, um, to try to find solutions for folks. Cause again, we need each other, yeah. you know, we just do like, we can't do it alone. And I think with, you know, cell phone culture, it feels like communities on your phone, but then when real life happens to you, community is living, breathing yeah. people that can lend a hand to you. And, you know, just even, you know, Keith Safreth passed away recently. He was, um, he's been named a local hero. Yeah. Um, and he was part of the Montana folk festival in, in the write up, they were talking about how he had a friend that took him to appointments. And I was like, that's the good stuff, right? Is yeah. that if you have the capacity to help somebody and you can probably the difference that made for him at the end of his life. Um, how do we do that for everybody? Yeah. And you know, similarly, it's not because of disabilities. Uh, I was talking to some people about the real tragedy of like relocating the neighborhoods of McQueen, East Butte, uh, Dublin Gulch and Meterville. It was uh, not just the houses being torn down or moved. It was the people were moved and the women didn't drive a lot then. Right. You know, so they were kind of stuck in their house. The men, you know, went places and stuff, but the women, and that just destroyed their, their community and their, their sense of belonging and, you know, their, all their friends that they would do things, you know, because the community's together. Yeah. You know, and that, that's really and it's an angle I never really thought of before. And it's just heartbreaking to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and then how do we how do we build community now? Yeah. You know, like how do we get, how do neighborhoods start being neighborhoods again? Yeah. Um, I was watching a video and it was talking about how insular we've become, you know, that we, we don't go to church anymore and we don't go to bowling league anymore. Like those were, are where you got community. Yeah. And now that's shifted. You don't get shifted. sugar from your neighbor anymore, you know, yeah. stuff like and, that. Yeah. And it's so interesting. There was a, one of the TV shows filmed at our house when they were here a couple of years ago. And from that experience, we got all of the phone numbers of our neighbors. We never had them before. Yeah. And now we've used them tons. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it took whatever this TV show was to come and like make us connect. Yeah. But now my neighborhood feels super strong. So it's like, what can we do as communities to help build that again? Cause those things just, they matter the most. And, you know, we're getting older. Um, nursing homes are kind of closing down. How are we going to yeah. take care of each other? You know, these yeah. are things that like I get calls all the time. It's like, my mom has dementia. She lives alone. I'm in Seattle. I can't help her. Um, you know, and then there's not like a place for her to go maybe cause assisted living is extremely expensive. So yeah. I'm getting this lens of like, what are people doing to care for our, our elders? And it's, they're not easy answers. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw a stat, something is even might only have been like 10 years ago. Like so many people knew their neighbor, their next door neighbor. And today that is just dropped, you know, around the country. Yeah. And we have a lot of distrust for a lot of reasons, I think. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't know what the answers are, but I love to talk to people about community and how they feel about community. And, you know, through the snow buddies program, I feel really lucky because, I get so many phone calls from 
you know, older folks in our town and they're like, I'm 91 and I live by myself. <laughs> like everyone's 91 in Butte. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and then you get to talk to them and they, sometimes they just need someone to call them. Yeah. You know, people yeah. are lonely and that's that part about snow removal and getting people out and transportation is our quality of life is so much better. Our overall health and wellness is so much better if we're not isolated. Yeah. And so how do we do that? How do we keep people from isolation? And the best people to talk to are the people who are 91 too, right? They are. Um, oh my God. I live for it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, thank you for calling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I had a, of course I had Harp Cody, he was 99 and he was maybe one of the all time great Butte guys to yeah. talk to. But I also had, you know, uh, Don McCullough, who's I think 91, 91, 92, just went into the silver bees or diamond bee, you know, for Butte High, 75 years since he lettered and it was great talking. I could have talked to him for, for days. You know, I, I love that. Yeah. So it reminded me of talking to my grandpa again as when I was a kid, you know? And just the richness yeah. of that. And like, yeah, we should be listening to each other more. Yeah. And I, I don't know, again, I don't know how we get back to things that, that yeah. were the goodness, but how do you be present with people when you visit with them? Yeah. How do you honor what they have to say? And um, then how do you gracefully exit if you have to get out of there? Yeah. And, and I think this, that snowbody's thing is a, is a big step. That's a tremendous thing. Yes. It's been really hard to get volunteers. So if anyone wants yeah. to volunteer, we would love it. Um, again, for me, I, I would love to just get neighbors to help those folks. Yeah. And right now we're just not there. And so I'll keep working on it. We'll keep promoting snow buddies. Every time I ask for volunteers, I get like five more people that need a snow buddy. No, and like maybe more. one volunteer. <laughs> like, so the man goes up and the supply drops. A hundred percent. And everyone that's volunteered has just been absolutely gracious and lovely and, you know, done their part. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a great program. That, yeah, that's great. I saw that. In, in addition to seeing Johnny Amy pretend like he was shoveling, it was it just a great idea that to do. And even if you don't volunteer through snow buddies, you oh, can yeah, still you can see. just be a volunteer by doing it yeah. yourself, doing yeah, your just, own sidewalk. Yeah. You know, I like to use the airplane saying, put your own mask on before helping others. Yeah. If you do your part, that's enough. Yeah. If you can help a neighbor, that'd be great. You know, cause they're just, you can see snow tells a story. You can yeah. see who walks there. You can see who doesn't shovel. And if they yeah. don't shovel, is there a reason they're not shoveling? Yeah. You know, do they just not know or can they not do it? Yeah. They're not, not everyone who doesn't shovel is just being lazy. No. Right? Yeah. And it's not even necessarily elderly and disabled. It's. You know, maybe you got a single mom living down the yeah. way and she just doesn't have the, or he, single parent, they yeah. don't have the capacity to do it. And so can we help? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a great start. Yeah. But again, yeah, well, you guys are, yeah, you're all about community, you and John. Yeah. And you guys are just terrific people. I love that about the shop. Yeah. I've always said, I'm yeah. like, my favorite part about 5518 is that our capacity for giving back is so much greater than it would be if we were just two citizens with jobs. Yeah. Um, the platform's more, the capacity is more, um, and, and we're really genuine in our desire for things to just yeah. be better. And I think your store helped lead kind of a revitalization of Uptown Butte. Yeah, definitely that area. Like yeah. I, um, obviously the M&M was there, but, uh, and we noticed, you know, when the M&M burned down and it wasn't there, that affected our business big time, right? Oh, Cause yeah. we rely on foot traffic. Yeah. Um, but after John had cancer, it was almost like, how do we give back to the people that gave so freely and generously to us? And I was like, well, I mean, 
I guess we could like open a store and like try to make our town better. You know, we like had that genuine discussion because about 10 years ago, someone let me go to a walkability summit where they taught me about the importance of community based on how walkable your community was. And it changed who I was. I mean, I was just like a different person after. And I realized from an economic standpoint, from a community standpoint, the more businesses you have, the more people on your streets, the better it is for everyone. You know, you're not forcing community. Community exists just in its inherent nature. And we're not there. You know, John and I will drive up on a, or walk up on a Saturday and it's like ghost town, you know? And it's like, how do we get people on our streets? And that's why the Uptown Master Plan is important. It's like, we want tables and chairs and people and energy and people shopping and people remembering. I mean, I had someone just this week, she goes, I didn't know, I went to your store at the Christmas stroll. I didn't know that was there. And I was like, (laughs) oh, okay. I mean, it's been seven years. So I feel like most people know, but people don't, Yeah, you know, and that's okay. Um, And you don't have to shop there. But if, um, but if we support the businesses that are that are doing their part. I mean, small business just really is what your community is made of. If we only shop online, we lose those businesses, right? That keep our communities feeling what they are. And a community without small businesses feels like nothing. Yeah. I was talking to John the other day about, I was riding my Nordic track bike, you know, and have the iFit trainer. And and it was through this uh, series in Colorado where you go through these different Colorado towns. And there's one town they block off during the summer, they block off their main street and make it a one-way street. And they had the barriers out and all these shops have stuff yeah. outside and all the restaurants are sitting outside. I mean, stuff like that could be great. And it's possible. Yeah. You know, every time I, I mean, I've just been, uh, I call myself a local troublemaker for good because <laughs> I'm like, I want to do this. And they're yeah. like, oh, Cassie. And I was like, I know, but like they're doing it other places. So yeah. we know it's possible. So, yeah. you know, we wrote a SARTA grant and did a parklet and we put it up in a couple locations and... And it was fun. And everybody that sat on that little deck that took up a parking space, like, loved it. It was so fun. But, you know, some of our processes have been made too daunting and discouraging to do it. And, you know, a lot of times I think we claim something's a safety issue when it's, like, more just maybe a pain in someone's neck. Um, And, you know, living is a liability. So what are we going to do? You know, like, let's have more fun. I want us to string lights across Park Street. I want us to dream big for Butte. I want us to do the things that when someone stops in our uptown district, they go, I can't wait to get back here. That's what, that's what good communities are. They're places you can't wait to get back to. And they're places that account for every type of person. You know, there's so many people here that don't drive. How do we make walkability safer? There's so many people that ride the bus. How do we make riding the bus a dignified process? You know, how do we do that? And we all are capable of doing our part. And uh, sometimes people just don't care. So I have to come back to my own values. I'm like, okay, Cassie, that's a value of yours. (laughs) Yeah. It might not be a value of someone else's. But I do think in some respect, if you live in a community, you see that you're part of something bigger. And so what can you do to be part of that? And they call us the can-do city. You know, a lot of times we've been told lately that we can't do this, we can't do that. But, I mean, we still got people fighting to show that, you know, we're the can-do city. Like Don People said back when we were struggling with the economic depression of the 1980s and the mines closing. You know, that's the can-do spirit. Put the lady the Rockies. Absolutely. We can do, and we can do it. We can do that. We can do anything, right? And we can do anything. And I think, I mean, I'm scrappy. So if I I want something, people, like, try to ignore me. or I'm like... (laughs) I'm not going anywhere, yeah. you know, and I, and I live for that. I used to hate confrontation. I used to be like yeah. scared of doing the advocacy piece, but then I realized that if I don't say it, maybe no one else will, but I yeah. know that it matters. And I, yeah. and again, that's why I think, you know, everyone is more powerful than they give their self credit for. And so it's like, if something is 
inside of you that you care about, listen to it. Yeah. And then start finding the path to doing it. You know, I've had several things. I'm like, I don't like this. So then I'd like call a meeting at the city and I've spent my time. I've spent time knowing who works in what departments and whose job is what. And I've spent time in meetings trying to be like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And if they tell me no, I go, okay, but um, how do I make your no a yes? <laughs> and I just like, yeah. don't go away because I believe it. Yeah. And I don't, and I think everyone has that, you know, like, so how do we light that fire in, in a whole city? How do we light that fire inside of you to do that? Because we can't, we can't all do everything. Yeah. But if everybody cared about their thing, a lot of stuff gets done. Well, I think you and John have been such a great example of what they can do. And I, I think there's more people like you too. The world would be a perfect place. Well, and I think there are more people. I mean, yeah. we do have the benefit of, you know, we don't have children, so we can lend our energy yeah. to these external <laughs> things. I, I appreciate all the people. I got a couple you can have. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate all the people raising children. I, I don't discount yeah. um, the amount of time and love and energy that goes into that. But so, you know, for us, really recognizing where we can contribute and, and also having our own boundaries. I think sometimes I got overcommitted and I was like, whoops, I might've signed up for too much, <laughs> you know, but now I'm like getting older. So I'm like, I go, I do the things that I value and that I know that I have the capacity to do. And sometimes I have to take breaks from those things too. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate your time. I've had you for an hour plus here. Oh my gosh. Thanks. Is there anything you want to get out before we, I, I would just say, um, if you care about accessibility or disability issues, or you have a loved one that needs any support, um, Ability Montana is located in Butte at 820 West Platinum Street, or we also have offices in Helena and Bozeman. Um, and you can contact us, you know, we're, we're here and we're here to help. Nice. Well, I appreciate your time and thank, thank you. you for all that you do to make this place a better place. Thank you. I appreciate your time and what you're doing. Proud to be from you, America, USA.